Welcome to the BPH series of podcasts. Hello and welcome to our BPH series of podcasts for urology specialists. Um, these are hosted by Boston Scientific. My name is Francesca Kum and I'm a urology fellow finishing my HOLEP fellowship. Um, today we're going to discuss about the post-COVID era um, and what we can do to help our elective waiting lists. Um, it's a pleasure to introduce today um, Mr. Kazra Saeb-Parsi. He is a consultant urologist with a specialist interest in BPH, stones and prostate diagnostics, um, and he works at the Cambridge University Hospitals. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So we know that with more than six million patients in the UK awaiting um, an elective surgical procedure post-pandemic, um, we have a lot of challenges. Um, so I guess my first question to you is, how has COVID affected the running of your everyday LUTs clinic? Uh, I mean, that's a very good question, and it, COVID is something which has impacted every work of life and every part of the world. So we have all uh, seen the restrictions and the limitation in every aspect of life, and medicine is no different. Our capacity has dramatically reduced, and particularly in the early days where we had limited access to clinics and limited access to, to theatres, which meant a lot of patients who would have we would have seen them and offered them help have been sitting at home waiting. We've had cancellation of the clinics because of uh, staff shortages. We've had cancellation of the clinics because patients haven't been turning up, because of their being, being um, either worried about COVID or they've had COVID. And also we have had to prioritise other uh, emergency cases or more urgent cases over the more benign conditions such as men who suffer from low tract infection. So therefore has meant that this led to a creation of a massive backlog for men with low tract symptoms. Yeah, so I can see that how this leads on to, I guess, my next question of how do we stratify um, and prioritise these patients? Um, and I guess we subcategorise them into those with a catheter and those who just have symptoms. Um, and how do we go from there? So, I mean, categorizing patients is always very difficult, uh, both for the clinicians, but also for the patients who accept it. Because when a patient has symptoms, they have symptoms. Of mm -hmm. course, they are mindful that there are other people around who may be worse off them. Mm -hmm. But for them, those are significant symptoms which may impact their quality of life. And of course, we have come up with uh, categorizing, giving them a, what we call a P-score, a priority score. And the P-score mm -hmm. of two would be patients who are much higher priority and they need mm -hmm. to be operated on sooner such as patients who have got catheters and lots of uh, urine tract infections. And then people who have just more mild symptoms would be given a lower priority and then and so on. And by the time you get to priority four, that means that you are can wait quite a long time. But what mm -hmm. we often forget is that the wait, as we said, is a very long wait. Mm -hmm. And a patient who starts as a low priority over time mm -hmm. becomes a higher priority. And this is all about missing the golden opportunity or missing the time to offer them the operation in a timely manner in order to have a curative intent. So, yes, they may start as a party for, mm -hmm. but they wait such a long time that they become a priority too. Yes, definitely. So we can see how these patients may end up transitioning into somebody that's a high risk and then that poses potentially more complications or more difficulties for not just for us as the operating surgeons, but also for the anaesthetists and everybody else. Absolutely. And what we tend to forget that uh, it is not just about treating the condition. All these yeah. men who have a uh, problem with urine flow, they ha it has an impact on their quality of life. And if it has mm -hmm. an impact on your quality of life, it has an impact on your productivity and, mm -hmm. and contributing to, um, to, 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 your, to your work. And therefore, you may not be able to go to work and therefore mm -hmm. has a socioeconomic impact as well. So it's not just about the urinary symptoms, mm -hmm. it's about the whole picture. 
and therefore a long delay not only mm-hmm. affects their medical condition, but also affects their psychological and may even impact their uh, income. Yeah. So that's why mm-hmm. we need a more uh, a rapid approach to treating these yeah, patients. Yeah, so a holistic view, looking at them as a person in society and productivity, as you, as you definitely said. So looking at this patient group, then what options do we have? I guess we have a BPH portfolio. So, I mean, times have changed. You know, when I was training um, all those years ago, there was only, you know, one or two treatment options for um, benign prostatic hyperplasia or mm-hmm. enlarged prostates uh, and for men who had low tract symptoms. But now, as you said, the portfolio has expanded dramatically and actually mm-hmm. counselling patients about the treatment options we have is become very challenging and very subspecialist. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the the standard uh, TURP, we now have different types of laser being holding on laser or green light laser, but more re- recently, more importantly, we have the minimally invasive treatments such as the water vapour therapy or the prosthetic urethral lift. We have various types of stents, we have prosthetic artery embolization. Mm-hmm. So all these things have allowed us to expand the, the choices that we can offer to the patient. Mm-hmm. And that is really, really important because not only this has an impact on the, um, the, the improvement on the urinary symptoms, mm-hmm. but also has an impact on the operations we do or have impact on their sexual function mm-hmm. and also the other complications. So uh, have the more options we have, it is better for patients and it also becomes more difficult to counsel them adequately and make sure that they choose the right treatment for yeah, them. Yeah, counselling is a very specific thing. And I guess, as you, as you rightly said, then each patient is an individual and they want their own outcome to be the best for them. Um, and just going back to looking at the, um, more about the timeframes, the, the network of operations, that how do you foresee um, the concept of here in the UK, we have surgical hubs um, how do you foresee that um, kind of coming into play in dealing with this backlog of patients? So, I mean, with the, with the big backlog that we have, we need to be smarter, we mm-hmm. need to work more efficiently, and we need to offer the best treatment option for the patient in the quickest way mm-hmm. and in the safest way. So, as we said, tr- traditionally, the, the, the TURP and the HOLEPS patients required to stay in hospital at least yeah. Uh, overnight or one or two days mm-hmm. while with the minimally invasive treatments then we can offer them treatment much quicker as mm-hmm. a genuine day case where they come in they have the operation done mm-hmm. and they go home and also we can do more operation if we're doing a water vapor therapy or if you're doing the prosthetic urethral lift you know we can do far more cases than than we can do in terms of a trp and also we could move away from having a hot and cold side what i mean is you know, hospitals where have acute A&E admissions mm-hmm. and where there's a strain on the resources there. So if we could move away these patients who are having minimally invasive treatment from those sites mm-hmm. to cold sites where there are smaller hospitals with no A&E or acute admissions mm-hmm. and therefore there's less risk of competition for beds for other patients. So therefore, which means we avoid cancellation by doing a minimally invasive treatment. We could do more cases and therefore work through the backlog. And it's all about counselling the patient to make sure that it's the right treatment. Yeah, so the bed space on the day, the recovery, the nursing provisions, and not having the variability, I guess, of our emergency caseload. Yes. The worst thing is that both for the patient and for the hospitals, you tell them you're going to have your operation, Uh and they psych themselves, because although Mm. for for a surgeon doing an Mm. operation, it is something that you do day in, day out. For the patient, it may be the very first Mm -hmm. time they're having an operation. For for them, it's a Mm -hmm. big thing. So therefore, point. it is no small, small undertaking. So therefore, when they've prepped themselves, they've taken time off, and then they, you cancel them on the day of the operation. Well, that's a big mm-hmm. thing for them. 
and then you have to book as well. But also it has an impact on you because you had planned to do those cases and you had planned for your next few cases or new next few weeks, mm -hmm. which means that now you have to rejuggle that. So by moving away from the mm -hmm. the, the hot sites to having the um, the hubs or the cold sites, it allows you to offer all the treatments, but also becomes that we become more expert. You know, mm -hmm. it's if you have a, a center which does lots of BPH surgery, then mm -hmm. they become more slick and therefore they become mm -hmm. more efficient and therefore that, allow, that allows you to perform better and then do more cases. Yeah, so our um, practice makes perfect concept, I guess, not just for us ourselves, but also having our nurses, our anesthetists, our turnaround time. I think, as I said, you know, there are lots of treatment options available and counseling patients and um, managing their expectation it's really, really important because I think we've moved away from the era of a paternalistic medicine where mm -hmm. we used to tell the patients what they need mm -hmm. to, to have done. Yeah. But now we've got to counsel them. We've got to give them a choice and we've mm -hmm. got to go through all the options and then for them to decide what's the treatment, the best treatment option for them. Because all these treatment options that we have, they have their own side effects. Mm -hmm. And although the risk of incontinence leaking urine is very low, mm -hmm. but when it happens to the patients, for mm -hmm. them is 100%. So therefore you need to counsel the patients adequately and find out what is it that they want to get from the operation. And if mm -hmm. the complication is not acceptable for them, then that is definitely the wrong operation for them. Despite what I think as a surgeon, you know, mm -hmm. if I offer somebody a laser surgery and may improve their flow very well, mm -hmm. but if they think that the potential risk of uh, incontinence or problems with retrograde ejaculation is unacceptable to them, mm -hmm. then that is definitely the wrong for them and therefore they may want to go for something which is more minimally invasive like the mm -hmm. water vapor therapy or used prostate urethral limb so counseling that patient from the outset is the most crucial thing and that's quite a difficult thing for surgery can mm -hmm. be done you can all master it and get mm -hmm. good results but if you offer the wrong operation to the, to, 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 <laughs> to the patient then you know whatever your outcome is whatever the flow rate they're mm -hmm. going to be unhappy but if you offer something that they think is acceptable to them and you counsel them and select them, they'll be delighted with the results. So looking at our patients afterwards um, when they go home, um, how do you adjust your post-operative follow-up for these patients as well? Again, you know, given the, the limitations and restrictions that we have and the uh, finite resources that we have following patients up, since COVID has been more difficult when previously every all, all these patients would have been seen in clinic, now it becomes more difficult. But I think it's really important as surgeons when we operate on patients, we follow them up. And we follow mm -hmm. them up psych uh, systematically and scientifically rather than just a simple mm -hmm. phone call saying that, you know, how are you doing? Are you okay? So actually we need to be slightly more clever about how we follow them up. Yes, you know, ideally somebody who's had a bladder outlet surgery would want to know what their flow rate or the your volume mm -hmm. is, not just for our own benefit, but also to make sure that mm -hmm. the operation has been successful. But that is becoming more challenging with the limited resources. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we've got to think about how can we do this remotely? You know, for example, we're working on trying to develop where patients could their flow rate do them at home rather mm -hmm. than coming to hospital. Yeah. Or we could uh, delegate this to be done in the community where mm -hmm. we have hubs where the patients can go mm -hmm. to their flow rates or like their GP surgery where they could do the bladder mm -hmm. scan. So we have to yeah. be more clever how mm -hmm. we follow the patients up, but actually following patients up after treatment is really important to make sure that they've had the good outcome that we all want to uh, to to have for the patient. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So the flexibility of in the community coming back and seeing us are all very important.
Great. So I hope that you found this podcast um, informative. Um, today, we've hopefully covered a bit about our post-COVID um, recovery, um, what we can do looking at patients in their surgical hubs, um, referring patients in, and most importantly, then advising our patients to seek help early, um, education of our patients, um, getting them to present early, and ultimately giving them the choice of what operation is best for them. We know that we have a multitude of operations that we can offer them, but ultimately it needs to be counselling them appropriately and knowing what we can do to consent them appropriately and then following them up. So thank you very much for today. Thank you. Water vapor therapy, PVP and enucleation are therapies intended to treat benign prostatic hyperplasia or BPH. The law restricts these devices to sale by or on the order of a physician. Indications, contraindications, warnings and instructions for use can be found in the product labeling supplied with each device. Products discussed for information purposes only and may not be approved or for sale in certain countries. This material is not intended for use in France. All rights reserved to Boston Scientific Corporation or its affiliates. These materials discussed are intended to describe common clinical considerations and procedural steps for the use of reference technologies, but may not be appropriate for every patient or case. Decisions surrounding patient care depend on the physician's professional judgment. Boston Scientific, BSC, does not promote or encourage the use of its devices outside approved labeling.